Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef-grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. This episode of Inside Fashion is brought to you by Klarna. Klarna lets you shop now and pay later, interest-free at leading online retailers. To add Klarna to your store, visit Klarna.com. I'm really interested in making clothes that represent what it means to live today. I was like, okay, I'm going to drop out of school and work and then apply for Parsons. And then I got the letter back, you know, unfortunately, you're not accepted. And my first job was not designing, it was production. That was your fashion school, basically. Yeah. I mean, you worked with, you know, everyone from Lady Gaga to Kanye West to Nick Knight. But I guess there was still something inside you that you wanted to do your own thing. All the projects as an art director had been making someone else's idea the best it could be. Lady Gaga's creative director or Kanye's creative director or Ben Trill, it doesn't represent who Matthew Williams is as a person. Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of the Business of Fashion. Welcome to Inside Fashion on the BOF podcast. You know when you meet someone and you just could talk to them forever? Well, that's how I felt the first time I met Matthew Williams. We met at a dinner in Paris and I asked him, you know, can we have a chat like this on our podcast? And thankfully, he said yes. Matthew, as some of you will know, was once the creative director for Lady Gaga and Kanye West. He worked in this collective group called Bin Trill. And now he's the creative director of Alix which is one of the fashion industry's rising streetwear brands. And I sat down with Matthew in Paris a few weeks ago to learn about his journey and how it all happened. So stay tuned to this one. It's a really interesting one. Actually, after the podcast was over, Matthew and I kept chatting for another half hour. We enjoyed the conversation so much. So here's Matthew Williams, Inside Fashion. Good afternoon, Matthew Williams. Welcome to the BOF podcast. Thanks for having me. How are you doing today? I'm great. Bit Happy jet lagged, you said. Not jet lag. Just woke up early for a flight. Okay. And then I had a shoot for Vogue this morning, and then okay. I'm here. So the life good. of a budding fashion entrepreneur. <laughs> From Vogue to BOF. I want to cover all of that today, but you know, I wanted to start with your personal story because it is really, really interesting how you ended up here doing what you do and i want to go back to california okay which is where you grew up right yes tell me what it was like for you growing up in california and what you were like growing up in california yeah um we can take it even a step farther back sure which i was born in evanston illinois which is like a small town outside of chicago that's where northwestern is yes so my, my dad went to dental school at Northwestern, okay, and then we moved back to California, where my family was from when we were two, when I was two, um, and yeah, I grew up in Central California in a small town called Pismo Beach. It's about an hour north of Santa Barbara, and it was really, you know, uh, like what you would think of a California upbringing would be like. You know, my elementary school overlooked the ocean. I walked to school every day, skateboarded, played sports with my friends. It was weird, I didn't surf, I just didn't pick it up. I liked skating a lot more. And uh, yeah, it was was really great. Um, Sounds idyllic. Growing up in California uh, at that time was really special and unique. And uh, so, you know, I I really enjoyed it. And Apart from skating, like what 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 else were you interested in? I played a lot of soccer. Yeah. Um, music. That was pretty much it. You know, um, I think the the first jobs that I wanted to to be when I was young was like I wanted to be like an emergency room doctor at one point because 
I felt like I wouldn't get bored because I would just kind of fix whatever came in the door and then be done with it. Right. I, I have kind of a short atten attention span. I think yeah. that's why fashion's a bit good for me too, with that I'm working on like different types of product all the time or shoots or, you know, there's all so many different aspects of doing fashion, which keeps my mind uh, occupied that I'm doing something different each day. Right. And then, you know, I wanted to play professional soccer at one point. And it wasn't until later in life, like maybe when I was 18, it was one of my soccer coaches had a clothing brand. And I went and interned for him in a summer. And I decided this is what I want to do. And I dropped out of college. And Where were you at college? I was at UCSB okay. in Santa Barbara. Um, studying studying art I was a so you're always creative yeah I was into like art as a kid and I did a lot of uh, sculpture in high school I took like three years of sculpture um, so yeah I was an art studio major and then I played soccer um, but I didn't re really realize that I could have a career doing fashion you know, until that internship. And once I, I you know, started, I, this, I was like, I love this. This is what I really love. What did love. you love about it? Um, I loved making things with, with my hands. Like, I guess that's why I like sculpture, you know, sculpting yeah. too. And um, everything about it. I loved, I fell in love with fashion photography. There was like this whole world um, to learn about the history of fashion. And I just really you know, went, you know, fully obsessive over the whole process. Who are your favorite fashion photographers? Oh, that's really hard. Um, well, I, you know, I love uh, Irving Penn. Yeah. I love Edward Steichen. Yeah. I love uh, Nick Knight, obviously. Uh, Jurgen is amazing, you know. And so you were, you were following this world of fashion almost from the outside a little bit because this this brand that you were interning at you know what what did it sell it was a menswear brand and they they did a lot of like denim yeah at that time la you know there was a lot of denim going on so i was like okay i'm going to drop out of school and work and then apply for parsons because that was the school that i i knew um was really amazing like i knew mark jacobs went there um, you know, and I was like, okay, that would be a great place to go. And I, I went and like sent my application, flew in for an interview. And then I got the letter back, you know, unfortunately you're not accepted. Oh, and I was like, how did that feel? I was pretty bummed. How old you know? were you? Uh, 20. 20. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's a tough rejection. Yeah. When you're 20. Cause you know, my parents were like, you shouldn't be dropping out of school, you know, they, they didn't really know if fashion could be a career, but I just really loved it. And, and then, you know, they're like, okay, if you want to do it, you're on your own. And, um, and then the company that I was interning for, you know, gave me a job and a livable wage. And uh, I just started working. And my first job was, was not designing, it was production. So I'd get the designs from the designer and then I'd drive all around downtown LA and South Central and East LA and make everything, do the marking and grading, um, cut the sample patterns. And, and that's really where I learned how to um, like express how clothing should be made. That was your fashion school basically. Yeah. Right, and you know actually in a lot of fashion schools, they don't teach the technical stuff. They don't teach the production and the pattern making and the grit, like all that stuff. Yeah. It's not. It's it's either not covered at all, or it's glossed over. So that's an amazing foundation, actually. Yeah, and and it was also great to understand a little bit more about like the business because you know they were running a business. So understanding you know how much things cost, uh, how to sell your clothes. Like I learned about a showroom for the first time and press and mm. how that works and et cetera. Um, and then, you know, it was just a small company of like three people at that time. So I was doing lookbook shoots and this and that, blah, blah, blah. And then um, uh, 
a company that invested in that company, um, you know, ended up liking the work that I was doing and then offered me a job in New York. So I was like, I've always wanted to live in New York. This is a great opportunity. And I, I moved to New York City when I was in the 2021, started working for them. What was the company called? Um, it was called Ernest Sohn. It was a denim oh, yeah, company. yeah, of course. Yeah. And uh, their investors were from Toronto. So that's where the Toronto connection came in, where we were talking about earlier. Yeah. So I was going there a lot. And uh, anyways, there was some, some changes in the company, and I lost my job after six months of moving to New York. And so then I started freelancing and working, um, doing production for other designers that were in New York City. I did stuff for like Freeman Sporting Club, if you remember that of place. And um, is it still around? I think I I went to one in Japan actually. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah Tavo, he he's pretty legendary. Tavo. Yeah. Um, different, you know, different women's wear designers, and I I started to learn more about high fashion there, and then ended up moving back to LA about a year and a half, two years later to to work for the same company again. And then uh, as I was you know, doing that, that's when I, I met um, some stylists that worked in music. And at that time, fashion wasn't as linked to music. Yeah. Um, you know, the only brand, like musicians that brands would, like Chanel would lend to would be like Madonna. Right. And there was a really clear a separation between music stylists and fashion stylists. And uh, so a lot of the music stylists in LA would make costumes for, for the musicians. So I would be asked to produce the ideas of the stylist or of the musician. And then that's how I, I got more into costume making. And, and that's how I started working with Kanye and, uh, and Gaga. So those are two towering figures yeah. in the music industry. Very different in some respects, very similar in other respects. Can we talk about what it was like? Well, let's talk about Gaga first because... Well, you know, I actually worked with Kanye did before you? Gaga, okay, which so, is kind of interesting. People make uh, like don't remember that. So. Okay, so then let's talk about Kanye first. So, you know, I mean, clearly he's a genius in many respects. Mm-hmm but very complicated in other respects. What was it like? Well, originally he was wanting to start Pastel, okay. which was his first brand. And he, I had made uh, the jacket uh, in collaboration with a stylist and his art director for that Grammy performance that he performed with Daft Punk. Mm-hmm. So it was like this jacket that lit up and was sound responsive. And he's like, I like this kid, he's cool, you know, he, he, he came over and asked what I was doing. He was like, do you want to come work with me full time? I want to start my label and I want to build a studio in LA. So originally my first job with him was setting up his uh, sample room. So I hired all the pattern makers, um, sewers, bought the machines and set up uh, the first pastel studio on Fairfax. And then just by spending time together, you know, he started to ask me to come on tour and help out with this photo shoot. And then through that, I started to learn more about like stage design. I'd get to collaborate with more experienced art directors and uh, photographers. And then that became, you know, with him and later on Gaga, my like master's program where I got to really collaborate with really great creative talents that from all around the world, from art, music, uh, photography, fashion, and and just learn as an assistant would, but coming from this whole other angle where I got to have direct dialogue, and that was, you know, really really, you know, amazing to be able to, to you know, to have that experience firsthand. And how did the Gaga thing happen? I met her at a sushi restaurant. Okay. We were just eating like sushi. She was at the table next to me, and uh, we had mutual friends. Was she friends. a star yet? No, she she uh, was just working on her album, and 
each of the friends that we were eating with were friends and introduced us. And she had just moved from uh, New York City to LA to finish recording her album. And she had some, um, some label performances where they have like new artists perform for the label heads and they get to see like what artists they're premiering for the upcoming year. And she knew I made clothes. She knew I was working with Ye at the time. And she asked me. Ye being Kanye, Kanye just yeah. for those who don't know the lingo. <laughs> and uh, she asked me to make some costumes for her. And she really loved Grace Jones. Um, you know, she loved Brian Eno a lot. Uh, and she gave me all this these references. And we were just friends. And we started hanging out. And, uh, and I just started making stuff for her as a friend. And then. You know, I guess it was about six months after that, Just Dance went on the radio and it really blew up and she went on this crazy tour. And I was still working with Ye at that time. And then uh, when she came back after that tour, she was like, you know, I'd really love for you to come work with me full time. And at that time with, you know, with Kanye, I was, wasn't as senior of a role as I was when I came back and worked with him after Gaga. Yeah. So it was great to be able to have the opportunity to do more of a project from the ground up that I really was there from the beginning, like with her. Um, so I was like, yay, I want to do this. He was like, dude, go for it. Like, that sounds cool. And, um, and then, you know, we started. So like Gaga. when you're like crafting the effectively the visual identity of someone like Lady Gaga, in the very early stages of her like superstardom. I remember that time, like she was, like you could not escape Gaga. <laughs> she was everywhere. It was, was a really interesting. What was that like? Like how did it all it happen? It was really crazy. Um, I haven't talked about this very much. Just, you know, because I can't take, you know, I can't take credit for what you just said about crafting her visual identity. I was like a creative collaborator. Yeah. And there there was a small circle of people that worked with her. And um, you know, it was really a perfect storm of, of of a lot of great people contributing to what she did and herself too. She should get a lot of credit for for her own visual identity and, and all the great things that she did and all the great albums that she did. And um, I think the music that she was doing at that time paired with the where clothing was at at that time mixed with fashion and then there was social media she was one of the first artists to use twitter and all of those um youtube she she used to do like these uh youtube videos about i think they were called like gaga vision um that would be behind the scenes stuff and then she also worked incredibly hard like show after show after show she must have done i mean 150 to 300 shows around the world before just dance went to the radio so when you do that and you're in front of that many people the fans are feeling like they're discovering something mm -hmm. people forget that now we have this instant streaming of music which is like amazing but when you build a fan base from touring and then your your song goes on the radio, it's like a different connection with the fans. And right. she she really worked hard like two shows a night building this insane fan base. And then um and then she had a great team around her that when it really hit, we were able to follow the work and the demand and and uh, you know, do stuff all around the world. So basically after um, a year of doing costumes and et cetera, et cetera, uh, there started to be like way too much stuff to make costumes for, <laughs> you know what I mean, too. And uh, she was working with freelance stylists here and there, but I had met Nicola Formichetti uh, actually on a Hedy Slimane shoot when he was uh, doing photography during that time. Yeah. In and, LA. Yeah, and Nicola was, to me, you know, one of the, he still is like one of the best stylists ever. And at that time he was 
fashion editor of V, Dazed, and Vogue Japan, and just doing just really experimental work that was more than styling, like um, merging, uh, you know, student design work with, you know, Gucci or uh, Vuitton or something, and it was just a real mixture of like vintage young designers work and big, uh, brands. big brands and I thought that that was so interesting yeah and we became friends and I was like hey listen this this is a girl I'm working with um, it, I don't have any relationships with magazines brands I'm in LA like so far removed from the fashion community would you work on this with me and you know come meet her and Gaga really liked him and and then we started to work together and it was really amazing because I was there day to day and he was coming in and out because he was so busy, but he had like really amazing assistants all around the world. So when we landed in London, you know, Anna Trevelyan took over and was just like seamless, boom. And then we'd land in Tokyo and, and this girl named Emmy, who's amazing, she would look after us and handle so like the Asian stuff. Okay. So, so we had like people through Nicola in each place that yeah. would just be there prepared and us knowing the schedule we would like be commissioning pieces based on like each concept quite ahead of time so stuff was so everything was, ready. was planned yeah wow and then there'd be stuff happening at home for like a tour or sometimes we would work with like uh you know like uh versace or armani or prada they would like make outfits for you know for the met ball or uh, TV performance or right. things like that. Amazing. You must be really proud of her. Yeah, she did an, she did an amazing yeah. job. And she won the Oscar the other night, which is kind of incredible. Yeah, right? it's great. Um, then you went back to work for Kanye. Yeah. So Gaga and I stopped working together at Born This Way. And then... Well, uh, it was just done. The creative collaboration was just... Yeah. yeah. And... Uh, and then I had to do like a reset and like, okay, you know, what do I want to do? And I developed a really great creative relationship with Nick Knight through all those those shoots that we did with her and the Monster Ball tour and all of that. And uh, I wanted, I, I knew that I still wanted to be a designer, but I really loved like how someone like Hetty, for instance, he designed, but then he shot all of the content for his clothes and it just felt like, he didn't need to rely on anyone to, to have like a full cohesive vision. And uh, I was like, okay, I, I wanna learn how, how to, to make imagery and do film. And I wrote to Nick and asked if I could come to London and, and work with him and he was like, I would love to. So I moved to London <clears throat> and I worked at Show Studio as an art director there and did uh, lots of campaigns with Nick um, and worked really closely with him. And then when Ye found out that I, you know, wasn't working with Gaga anymore, he was like, okay, I'm starting this project called Donda, which is our, um, uh, you know, creative uh, group of creatives that are going to work on all my projects and all of my artist projects and art projects. You know, I'd love for you to come do that. So then that was like the second phase of working with, with Kanye. And that's when you met Virgil? No, I met him back in the early days. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. At the beginning. Right. <laughs> was Virgil still there when you went back? Yeah. Yeah. But he had moved up to, just like me, to like a more senior position. Sure. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. 
By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts, specialised experts. Real people who love this stuff, with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder or step out in that streetwear, you'll realise that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in-store, on social media, and beyond. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash BOF, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash BOF to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash BOF. Sure. So at some point, you know, there was this thing called Bean Trill, which I think is like critical to your story as well. Yeah, uh, Bean Trill happened during the second uh, Kanye time. Yeah. But it was really just a fun thing to do with the friends that were working with him. Right. You know, it wasn't... And what, it was a collective. But what does that mean, <laughs> right? Okay, we, we basically just wanted to hear our own music at clubs when we were on tour and started a DJ group. And then we're like, okay. And this is you, Virgil, and Heron Preston. And Justin Saunders. Yeah. Okay. And then... We're like, okay, we're going to DJ together. We need to have matching T-shirts when we DJ. And then, you know, we had friends in fashion and we, you know, we asked Stussy to make some T-shirts for us. And it was just kind of like a project by project um, uh, thing, you know, that none of us really took too seriously, you know what I mean? But it was just a reason for us to get together and have fun and you know, experiment with ideas and just get them out, you know. And what did you learn in doing that? I learned a lot. I mean, it was the first business I ever ran on my own. Right. You know what I mean? So it turned into a business. Yeah, it did eventually. Yeah. You know, like learning how to do a trademark for a brand. Right. Um like licensing or, or stuff like that. So there was definitely like business stuff that, that I learned. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and then, so like, obviously like your main focus now in life is Alix, not just your daughter, but also 
the business like yeah in this whole journey you i mean you worked with you know everyone from lady gaga to kanye west to nick knight to nicola formichetti you know really incredible people but i guess there was still this something inside you that you wanted to do your own thing like how did it all happen well i always wanted to do that since the beginning yeah uh in my early 20s but i i still had a lot to learn and and I still do have a lot to learn, but I felt like at that time, I was 27, 28, I'm 33 now. So 27, 28, when I decided I wanted to start the brand. And, and how I, did you know it was the right time? Because um, I had stopped working for Kanye, I had gotten married, I had had two kids, and I wanted to you know, try doing a business of my own. And, you know, before that, a lot of the, you know, all the projects as an art director or working for somebody had been a collaborative on making someone else's idea the best it could be. And I'm really good at that. And I wanted to come back and look inward and, and do something that was really personal that I feel like I needed to, to just get out, you know? So um, that felt like what I needed to do and I, I wanted to have a project represent who I was as a person because I felt like Lady Gaga's creative director or Kanye's creative director or Ben Trill it doesn't represent who Matthew Williams is as a person right as you know everything about me right. there's aspects in there and um, at, at there was points in my life where I didn't like being labeled as all those things because I didn't think it fairly represented who I was or sometimes I would meet people and there would be really preconceived notions about what I was like or who I was. Not that that even matters, but I, I did feel like I had something that I still wanted to say. Right, so who is Matthew Williams as a person? What is it that you're <laughs> trying to express through this brand? Uh, well, <laughs> It's hard to articulate that that kind of question, but it's definitely just just emotion, you know, just emotional clothing. Right. <laughs> what kinds of emotions? All the the range that you experience as a human being. Right. And it's it's just kind of uh, you know like a timeline of growth as right. a, as a person, and uh, you know I think I'm really interested in making clothes that represent what it means to live today and that's why I'm always trying to course correct in each collection and, and each piece and and um, you know that's that's what I've been doing I think if you want to know more about like who I am or what I'm trying to say it's it's within the the collection it's within the communication around the brand the films we put out the music we choose the people that collaborate with us, um, even the, the written material. Do you like being kind of grouped in with this world that everyone's calling streetwear? Is that a label that you relate to? It's interesting because it is where I come from. Yeah. You know, um, it's different because like when I grew up in California, you know, skating or surf, like my dad surfed. There was people in my neighborhood that their grandparents surfed. Like that kind of, you know, board sport culture. I don't know if that's the right word for it, but whatever, like skate culture, rap music. It was just kind of part of being. You, It was inescapable. It wasn't like I was trying to be a part of streetwear. It was just part of my existence it was just like born into this way of being um and so i didn't choose to be or not to be it's just like part of that you know that environment that i came from so i'm really proud of it you know i'm proud that you know skate videos led me to certain musicians and to uh different artists and people and uh you know so I think for me, streetwear now is just, it's, uh, it relates back to like a community where, at least for me, where I come from, 
um, the community of people that wear my clothing. And uh, I think that's it. If you look at the clothes that I make on a rack, could you tell the difference if it was Dior or, you know, mm -hmm. another luxury brand? Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you, if you look at it item by item, I mean, streetwear doesn't mean graphic t-shirts anymore. So it, it, may, it may have in the past, yeah. but now it's just fashion, right. you know? So streetwear for me is more about a label of the person where, they, where their background is from. Sure. You know, I don't know, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, the big difference between what mm. people called or still call fashion, what people call streetwear is the whole element of community, mm -hmm. you know, and I think there's an element of participation and um, inclusion that may, that is critical to being part of this movement that everyone's calling streetwear. But fundamentally, it manifests itself through clothing or music or whatever, or sports, mm -hmm. whatever it might be. And that's why those things are now so much more tightly wound into fashion. We were talking earlier about music and fashion were kind of separate worlds now. And now that whole culture is just colliding now. And it just so happens that a big part of culture is coming from the collision of, of the things that we've been discussing. But also, I think in the past, brands could be successful just by advertising a lot. Yeah. But now you can really notice firsthand which brands have community around it. Exactly. And which ones don't. Exactly. And maybe that's, we like, that's streetwear because they have community. Yeah. You know well, I mean? it's funny because like, I, I, I get to interview a lot of people now. Yeah. And like the, the number of people using the word community to describe their strategy is quite interesting. And it's not always authentic and it's not always real because I think creating genuine community is not like a strategic decision you can make. I it has to, It has to come from something real. Yeah. You know, and that's hard. You know it when you see it. You and you know it when you're it. part. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the business today, Alix, mm -hmm. uh, you moved your whole family to Italy to keep it to make it work because you, yeah. you found an investor and partner. Well, from the beginning, yeah. uh, I had my business partner, Luca Benini, who's one of the, he's one of the founders of streetwear. Right. So he's like, Slam jam. yeah. So he's one of the original Stussy tribe. Right. And that's how I originally met him through art direction at Stussy and my wife worked with him, um, doing sales for different brands she was working with. And, um, you know, I went to him originally to, asked if he could make shoes for me and then presented him the project. He was like, I really love uh, what you're doing, what you want to do. Like, let's do this business together. So it was always an Italian American company from the beginning. And I was commuting for the first two years from New York to Italy. And then um, the company started growing. You know, we launched men's and women's collection because for the first two years, it was just women's. And then, uh, yeah, and then we just needed to be there to be closer to the factories, to be in the studio working every day with Luca, to hire more people. And What's it like um, living in Italy? I love it. It's a lot like California. Like in California, Californians don't travel outside of California. Yeah. <laughs> we just vacation in California. Same thing with Italy. Italians vacation in Italy. There's like wine country, uh, the sea snow, everything's drivable. So I don't know, for me, it's, it feels like being in California for, you know, uh, from those points. So, I mean, it's a great place for kids. We really love it. And I mean, I love what I do so much. Like I really love making clothing. I love being um, in the factories. I love working with my team. So for me, waking up and getting to do the job that I do every day, I'm just really fulfilled. And then to be in a safe place that's great for kids, my kids growing up bilingual, you know, I'm really, really happy about that. And to finally be paying for the quality of life, not the location that I live in, mm -hmm. is a really nice change. Cause mm -hmm. you know, being in New York for 10 years, you're like, whoa, what was I? I was paying a lot there. Yeah. That, that gets me this here, wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Sometimes we get used to 
things, but it's, you know, it's just through habit, not necessarily that it's a better way. But I mean, if you look at people who've been able to scale their business and brands that are still here for 20, 30 years, a lot of them have deep roots of business or production in Italy. And um, that's one of the few places that can make so many different types of garments to such a high level. They're still amazing craftsmen. And um, for me, starting in this business, liking clothing just by the product that I saw on the rack, not by what the designer looked like, I still have that in my heart. Like I want people to see the product that we make and fall in love with what we do. And you know, going being in Italy and, and making the clothes that we make, um, it's like the only, only way to achieve that, I think. Yeah. What an amazing story. It must feel pretty amazing to be in the position you're in now, coming from completely outside this world to having like this brand that got nominated for the LVMH prize and you're now doing a show in Paris and you're collaborating with Nike. I mean, when I don't you, really when, think about it. Yeah. Like that, when you're in the you. midst of it, I know it's you're yeah. like, it you feels don't... surreal being from California and having a business in Italy and showing in Paris. That that part still feels pretty surreal. You know yeah. what I mean? It's so it is so far from that reality. Yeah. You know. So as you look ahead, because it sounds like you're a man with a plan. You know, <laughs> where, where do you see it going now from here? Just to continue, you know. Um, just continue doing what we do now and getting better each season, you know. I don't know. I'm, I think the business side of, of what, I, <clears throat> what I do, you know, Luca has a, a big part to play in that. But, um, you, know, you know, I chime in here and there, but I'm really not strategic in that way like I, I still it it is about the business but I I really honestly it really I really love doing what we're doing and I, I care mostly about being proud of of the product that we're making you know sure and so I'm I'm just really focused on on that and and making things that I'm really proud of and excited about yeah. you know looking back now what was the hardest mm-hmm. moment I mean, there was a lot, you know, dropping out of school, uh, like moving to New York, uh, you know, picking myself back up again after I, you know, stopped working in music, um, you know, learning about a new culture, like living in Italy, how, how business is done. I mean, that's something people don't talk about enough is like we're we're such a global like we are you know a global society where everybody can communicate so easily yeah but there's really huge cultural div- differences in what's normal in the workplace or how much people work or how little or uh what's appropriate to or how fast things move or you know what i mean so it's been really beautiful getting to understand like another culture like, yeah. like Italy because it's, it's so rich and so beautiful and you know there's there's a lot of I've learned a lot they do many things in in a in a really great way that that I think I, I never would have experienced you know just working in America my whole life yeah so yeah all that stuff was was difficult I mean making clothes is difficult making, you know, making uh, new clothes, you know, interesting clothing is, is really difficult. Making clothing is not easy. It's really hard, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so all of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let me turn the tables on you a little bit. Like back when you were 19 or 20 and you're going trying to get into Parsons and, um, you know, trying to figure out a way to pursue your passion for fashion, your interest in fashion. There's going to be lots of young people here that now look up to you. Um, 
What's your advice to them as they as they think about pursuing their own dreams and careers in this industry? Hmm. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I think, you know, one interesting thing is someone saying to me the difference between someone that comes from tech or fashion is the someone that wants to start a new tech company is thinking about how to develop a new model for how you uh, use a car and get to work or how you uh, get your groceries or something like that. Uh, someone in fashion is just a designer a lot of times is just learning how to make clothes but not questioning how we engage with clothing or how we use it and I think that's I would just encourage people to to approach fashion in a new way that's outside of the system that exists because it's it's on the future generations to show us a new way of how we make clothing a new way of how we engage with clothing and um, I think not to be afraid of going towards uh, the goal or the dream that that you have and you know surrounding yourself with people that you can learn from and even if it's a free internship or whatever just be relentless in your commitment to learning and being close to the people that you really want to emulate, but at the same time having the courage to try something different and put out um, new ideas from the way clothes are made, but then also how they're presented and how they're purchased to the the whole 360 model of, of fashion. We shouldn't have our future generations of designers just only look at it from making clothes because the world of fashion is so much more rich, you know? Yeah, and it's connected to so many different things, including yeah. technology now, exactly. which means that there's room for disruption everywhere, mm-hmm. right? And disruption does, doesn't just come from what you're putting on the runway. It comes from everything that you're doing to make your business work. Exactly. Right. Well, Matthew, thank you thank for taking you. through that story. I mean, that I just that's an amazing story. Um, <laughs> I'm going to remember that one. Um, Thank you for sharing that. That's really cool. And you're really lucky to have worked with so many visionary people, but you're clearly a visionary yourself. So congratulations on on all your success. And I look forward to keeping abreast of everything that you're up to because it's uh, it's really exciting. Um, so Thank thanks you. again. Thank this you for having Imran me. This is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of The Business of Fashion. That's all for Inside Fashion this week. Matthew and I are in Paris. I'm about to race out to... A, my next show, but uh, luckily Matthew made the time for me to have an interesting conversation while I'm here. So stay tuned for everything that's coming on the BOF podcast, and you'll hear from us very soon. Bye. If you enjoyed this conversation, you might be interested in BOF Professional, our global membership community from the business of fashion. BOF Professional members receive unlimited access to all of our articles, daily members-only analysis, the BOF Professional iPhone app, biannual print issues, and all of our online education courses as part of your membership. For a limited time only, we are offering BOF Podcast listeners an exclusive discount on an annual BOF Professional membership. To get 25% off of your first year, click on the link in the episode notes, select the annual package, and enter the special invitation code PODCAST2019 at the checkout. We hope you enjoy it, and don't forget to tell your friends. You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person, too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in-store, on social media, and beyond. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. 
Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash BOF, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash BOF to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash BOF. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys. With good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory. But boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher.